Um, before I start, I just had a couple of words. Um, what was the guy leading worship? Luke, yes. Um, Luke, I had a picture of you and I saw you um, going to um, like this feast, a um, long table of all this food, a bit like our grazing table, but it was massive. And you were um, grabbing people, you were saying, come, 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 come and taste and see that the food is good and you're just grabbing all these people and you're such joy in your face and you're just ushering all these people in to come and taste and it was almost like the sense of to come and taste and see that the Lord is good and there's there's an anointing on you to um to bring people into the goodness of God to help people see um the goodness of God in a whole new way and I just see there's this um almost like a have um, an anointing of freedom or a spirit of freedom on you that as, as you sing out, there's something that happens that brings freedom into um, the atmosphere and um, this, it's the spirit of the Lord on you. But I just see you even, like you've written that amazing song, but there's more songs coming from you and there's going to be songs of freedom that just bring a, a freedom um, into, into hearts and into lives and into this place and community. So bless you. Um, awesome job today. Um, the other thing I got was I just saw someone, and it might apply to a few people, but you're on your knees and you're begging God. You're begging, you're like, God, and you're, it was like this begging. But I felt the Lord say, you actually don't need to beg me. You just need to ask me because I'm a good father. And if your earthly father knows how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father? He, if you ask for a Fish, I think it says he doesn't give you a stone, and if you ask for, I might be the wrong way away, and a snake, he's not going to give you a snake, he's not going to give you a stone, but he's going to give you good things. So know that your Heavenly Father is good, and you don't need to come and beg anymore. You just need to ask him like a child would, their dad. So I hope that blesses someone today as well. Well, it's an honour to be here today. I've known Pastor Steve for many, many years. He's a good friend of um, our families and my dad. And just to share a little bit about myself in case you haven't met me before, my name is Kyla. I'm married to the handsome Dave down the front. <laughs> he reminds me of that every day. That <laughs> uh, I'm so blessed. <laughs> and I am blessed. Um, if you haven't met him, you will. He loves to talk. Um, and we have three kids, Isaac, Levi and Grace. And if you haven't met them, you'll find them stuffing their faces down at the grazing table. And we came a couple of weeks ago. What an amazing idea. Um, we came a couple of weeks ago and we were blown away by just the, I guess, the whole idea of everyone bringing something to the table. We're a family and we bring something. But they just love that. Um, feel free to tell them no. My favourite saying of my two-year-old is, hungry, eat, eat, hungry. And that's the first thing she says when she wakes up and, and the last thing she says when she goes to bed. So um, in my spare time of being a mum and a wife, I work at Hillside Christian College as a chaplain and I've um, been there for many years and we've had the privilege of many years running Alpha. So I'm looking forward to partnering with you guys. And up until last year, I worked as a, um, one of the pastors at Hillside Church for about 14 years. So um, that's how I first met Steve. Anyway, recently I was attending the playgroup. I love this playgroup. We come every week with our little children. And the ladies that run it, Lee and um, I forgot the other lady's name, Nicole, um, do a wonderful job. It's such a beautiful outreach and, yeah, such a lovely sense of community there. Anyway, at the playgroup, God just laid a word on my heart for um, Kalamunda Church and um, I thought I must 
tells Steve. And as I thought that, Steve came bounding down the stairs like he does sometimes, opens a door and to welcome everyone, and I had the opportunity to share it with him. And um, it's all about stepping into the new. Now, the verse that God gave me was from Luke chapter 5, verse 37 to 39. So I want to look briefly at this word, but it links into my message, and then we're going to dive straight into the message today. So Luke 5.37 says, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. And, I, and the sense I got was that God wants to pour new wine into this house. That, that um, There's a new season for this church. There's a new page turning for this church. There's a new season for some individuals here. And he's um, inviting us today to step into the new. Now, the context of this was Jesus was using this parable. It starts with the new cloths and then it goes into the new wine. And he was using these two parables to um, announce to the people that God was bringing a new thing. Um, and he announced that long ago in Isaiah 43 and 42. It was going to look different to the law. It was going to look different to the past. And he was speaking of a new kingdom, a new covenant, a new uh, commandment. There was something new that was coming. And new wine prophetically represents change, new seasons um, throughout the Old Testament, it always spoke of blessing. So it speaks of blessing and harvest and a move of the Holy Spirit. Now, the word for new, have we got the powerful next? Yeah, the word for new in the Greek is something that means fresh. It's something brand new. So new wine is neos, which means completely brand new. And, the, um, and I see, and I actually saw him pouring out fresh wine fresh oil, a fresh impartation of his love and joy. And I don't know if um, you need something fresh this morning, but I feel like the Lord's saying, hey, I've got something fresh for you and a fresh expectancy, a fresh hunger he wants to pour out today. But then I saw him getting the wineskins ready, which is us. Why? Because he says you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. You need to pour new wine into new wineskins. And essentially what Jesus was saying here was in order to receive the new, some things need to change. The word for um, new wineskins was kainos and it was new in quality, but the process that the wineskin had to go through was a process of being renewed as things were shifted and as some mindsets were surrendered and some things changed so that the wineskins could carry the new. And the process was very interesting. So back in the Bible days, you may um, understand the process of new wine, but back in the Bible days, wine didn't come in these fancy bottles that we have today. Um, they were made, um, they were put in ugly goat skin necks. And they got the goat skin necks and they sewed them together to make this bag and container, which you can see. And they would um, wax it and seal it. And once the old wine had been poured out, so they want to put new wine in, they'd pour out the old wine or they'd use the wine. The wine skins themselves would become dry and hardened and um, inflexible. They would break um, 
if they were put new wine into because the new wine would expand and ferment and the old wine skins, because they were so rigid, they couldn't expand with it. So that's why they would burst and everything would be lost, as Luke says. And so they would need to go through a process of being renewed. And that process meant that they would soak the skins in water to soften them and they would rub them with oil so that they would no longer be dry, but they would be soft and stretchy and able to be flexible and expand with the new wine. And then the new wine, to make new wine, they would have to press them and crush them under their feet um, and that would bring out the juice. And this is a good picture of the process we can go through as we're made in Christ's image and as he takes our old wineskins and he renews them into new. He takes sometimes the places in our heart that are hardened or inflexible, cracked, and he soaks them in the water, which is the word. It says that the word washes us and the oil, the Holy Spirit. And Romans 12 too says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it's not a once-off process, it's a continual process as he confronts things and he shifts things and he rearranges things and he's creating us to be new wineskins. But even the new wine goes through that crushing and pressing process. So I felt God wanted to encourage you that if you have been through a time where it's been stretching or it's been hard or it's been pressing, um, to know that God is doing something new in you. Um, to know that he is shifting things and stretching things so that you can contain more of what he wants to pour in and that you can then bless others with that. So let's pray and then I'm going to um, link this to my message today. So Father, I just thank you for the new wine, the fresh wine that you're wanting to pour out today. But Father, before you pour in the new wine, you you make us anew, you renew us, you you deal with things and you soften things and you make us pliable. And Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in all our hearts and you do in everyone's heart as you um, transform us into the person you've made and you want us to be. So Father, I just ask that we would have ears to hear what you want to say to us individually today as a church today. Holy Spirit, that you would take um, every word that I have and that you would just... Um, Use your word to bring life like you do. I thank you that you are here and that you want to do a new thing today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this concept or foretelling of a new thing, a new wine, is not new. Um, it was prophesied about in the Old Testament. And in Isaiah 43, God through the prophet declares a new thing. So today my message is stepping into the new and we're going to look at three keys of stepping into the new from Isaiah 43 today. Now you may have heard this verse a million times. We often hear it at, on New Year's Day. And um, we can kind of sometimes get complacent with verses that we actually know quite well. But I want to, um, I really believe God is going to open up this verse in a new way today. That you're going to see things maybe that you haven't seen. Um, and God's really going to encourage some people today. And we're going to weave the parable of the new wine in too. So let's read. I'm looking at verse 16 and then 18 to 19. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, that we sang about today, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. 
Now, the context for this verse is that God is speaking into the current situation. The Israelites were held in captive by the Babylonians. They had um, just been in a situation where their temple and Jerusalem had been destroyed in 587 BC. And they were in the midst of devastation and despair. Um, God seemed distant and they had rebelled. Yet God was encouraging them in this moment to look forward in hope and expectancy for he was going to make a way in the wilderness where there seemed no way and rescue them from their captivity. He was going to create a new thing, a new season. Um, But the new thing that God was also speaking here wasn't just for their current situation. It was actually pointing towards Christ, the Messiah that would bring in the new kingdom and the new wine and the new commandment, the new creation, and eventually all the new heavens and earth. So God is always wanting to do a new thing. He's, um, and to qualify as the new, like we sang today, it had to be created anew. Like the new cloth and new wine, it wasn't just a patch. It wasn't just a new paint job that we put over the old. It was a brand new creation. Um, it, 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 emer- it didn't emerge from the old. It made the old obsolete. It wasn't simply the old in new form. Um, The word for new wine meant brand new. So when God was talking about a new thing, it was a new creation. And that's why um, Paul says, the old has gone and the new is here. And then um, we are to take off the old man and put on the new man. We don't put the new man on top of the old. We actually need to take off, which is um, a form of, it's like we repent and we um, receive the new. And Moulton spoke about this, a theologian, um, and, it, and he said one thing he said was the new thing is the surprising thing. The new thing, that, the thing that could never have been expected, it evokes unbounded astonishment and it transforms the people whom it touches. In other words, it wasn't going to be what you expected. And there's a sense here of expect the unexpected. It's not going to look the same. It's not going to be the same. I'm doing a new thing. And he always wants to do a new thing in our hearts. Now, this declaration of a new thing, and like with any prophetic word that God gives us, is not a done deal. We don't just go, well, God said it so he can do it. There's an invitation for us to participate Um, and step into that which he's saying. It requires a response. And um, Jesus invited the Pharisees and the early church to receive the new wine. Yet they often struggled to receive it and allow the Spirit to make them into new wineskins. And Jesus said himself, why? It's because people prefer the old. You think recently the iconic Notre Dame... um, burnt down in Paris and you know it's completely gone except for there was um, what was standing there was something still standing I can't remember what it was it was it was the altar the cross Mm. and anyway here's an opportunity to build something new again however they've decided to restore it back to the old and I get that it's a monument they want to remember what it was Um, and Luke says that he says people prefer the old and that's fine, but, some, but sometimes our faith in our churches can also be a little bit like that. We get stuck in this is how it's done, this is what it should look like, and we want to preserve the way it's always been done in our lives sometimes because it's comfortable. 
we're willing to let go of a little bit, but not everything. Um, Because change is hard, um, but it's necessary for growth and um, for carrying the new thing that God wants to pour out into our lives. And so I believe the Spirit of the Lord is inviting us today, come and step into the new that I have for us. Um, Come and allow me to make you into a new wineskin. And I want to look at three keys Isaiah gives us for stepping into the new thing today. The first is surrender. Don't you love that word? Give up all your rights, surrender. (laughs) Um, And it says in verse 18, forget the former things, don't dwell in the past. Now this is really interesting because in verse 14 and 15 of Isaiah 43, it talks about how God is going to deliver them from Babylon. He's going to rescue them. And um, then in verse 16 to 17, he's inviting the people to remember what he did in the past and how he made a way through the waters and delivered them. He's actually telling them, remember this. Remember how I delivered you. Remember how I made a way, you know, when there seemed no way in the, um, when you're leaving Exodus and I made a way and, and then I drowned all the enemies. Remember that. And then he's telling them to forget. Did he just forget what he said? What is he meaning? He wasn't saying forget the lessons of the past, but he was saying forget the formulas, forget the format in which it came, forget the form in what it looked like. Yes, God made a way through the waters, but what does he say? I'm now going to make a way in the wilderness. So I'm going to still rescue you, but it's not going to look the same. It's not going to be packaged the same. It's not... It's not going to be um, the same format. And sometimes we can be looking for the same way because God's done it before. And he's saying, remember my faithfulness, but don't let the past become a blockage for what I want to do now. The NLT says it like this, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm doing, to, uh, what I'm going to do. So he's asking them, remember the faithfulness, but forget the format. And then he's encouraging them to forget the failures and the disappointments of the past. Don't let that taint the hope and anticipation for the future. And sometimes for us, we can think, oh, well, that never worked out. Or, and we, we remember the disappointments. Or we remember the, um, the regrets, the mistakes we made. And that can also be a blockage for moving forward. And then in the same way he's saying, also, don't get stuck in the good old days. No, back in the 80s, we had this and we had that and it was wonderful and nothing's like the 80s anymore. And, and we, re- we, we need to remember, we need to reminisce. Or like the music back then was so much better. And oh, the music of today's age, oh my goodness, they don't know what it really means to sing anymore. And I'm not saying that you do that. I'm just saying what other churches might say. <laughs> But the point is, reminisce, reminisce, remember, but don't camp there, okay? Um, we may think our best is behind you, and I, and I really feel like some people need to hear this today. You may think your best is behind you, but that's not true. Your glory days aren't done. Um, yes, the season may be different, and yes, we may have different capabilities and capacities, but God always is wanting to do a new thing, and you know, I think of Caleb at 80. He was still open to the new at 80. 
And it says in Joshua 14:12, he said, Give me this hill country to conquer. At 80, there were still hills for him to conquer at 80. Your past, your best is not behind you. Our focus needs to be head, not behind. You can't drive forward by looking in the rearview mirror. You can't actually drive forward in reverse. When I first got my licence, I tried that. I've, I got mixed up with my gears and put it in reverse and went to go forward and ended up going backwards like you do and it wasn't the way I thought I'd go. Another time happened where I... You know the petrol station on the top of Cullumbunda Road or Canyon Road um, on the corner? Um, my car... I was driving an old Ford Escort, 1974... Um, 1975 Ford Escort and it would often used to break down and I'd have to like jump start it. Anyway, I was at the top of the hill and it did it and a kind man offered to help push my car so it could jump start. So he um, parked his car down the bottom and he's behind me and he's like, ready, one, two, three, and he pushed it and I lost control of the accelerator, forgot what was accelerating brake. Anyway, I slammed right into the back of his car. It was terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible because I got caught up and I don't know what I was looking at, but I wasn't looking forward, that was for sure. Do you know, we can get in big jams when we don't look forward. When we're too busy looking behind or looking in the mirror, we can make big mistakes. And um, he was so gracious, I burst into tears. And you know what, when you cry, it makes all bad things go away because he was like, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry, it's okay, it's, it's not a big deal. He was so gracious. Oh... <sighs> But anyway, so a little little note, don't help to push my car because <laughs> it might get yours. Anyway, Philippians 3.13 says, Forget the things that are behind and reach forward to those things ahead. Now, I'm not saying don't honour what's been. I'm not saying don't... Um, I'm not saying the past is bad at all. I'm just saying um, God wants to move us forward, so let's not get stuck. Let's not camp... Um, but let's, like the Israelites, like that cloud would move and that sometimes it camped and then it would move on and it stopped them from getting stuck. Remember his faithfulness because that gives us hope. God's done it in the past. He's going to do it again. He's been so faithful. He's going to be faithful now. In the new challenge I'm facing, he's going to be faithful. I don't know how I'm going to get through the wilderness um, it may not look the same of how he got me through before, but I'm trusting him and I believe he wants to release new hope, fresh hope and anticipation for the future in our lives. Last year, God spoke to our family about stepping out of our safe and comfortable nest um, and into the unknown. I had been at Hillside Church for 20 years. Um, I had been um, on staff for 14 and it was like family for me. And I remember the Lord asking me one day and he said, Kyla, will you follow me above your work? I'm like, yes. You've got to be careful what you say yes to. Above your ministry? Yes. Above your comfort? Uh, I think so, yes. And then um, he said, well, I'm asking you to leave everything. Sound familiar? <laughs> think about the Bible stories talk about that. And then through a series of events, prophetic words, chats with wise people, I knew God was saying we needed to step out. And so we stepped out and a door had opened for us and we thought, yes, we're stepping out and God's so faithful and this is what it's going to look like and this is what he's going to do and this is how he's going to do it. And then I thought it would be smooth sailing because he had said it and it wasn't. 
and the door that I thought was open suddenly slammed shut. And it really threw me, if I can be really honest, it really threw me. I'm like, you said, Lord. But he didn't say how he's going to do it. He didn't say what he was going to do. He didn't even say where, you know, where really. He just said, follow me. And I realised actually, even in preparing this message, that it wasn't just about the next new thing or the new wine. It was about him doing a new work in me, making me into a new wine skin to carry the new. And that's a hard process. That meant pruning, that meant shaking, that meant shifting, that meant letting go of all these things that I loved. And I'm not saying he always does that. But there are times where he says, okay, I want you to let go. I want you to surrender. I want you to lay down. Like, I may have given you this, but now I'm asking you to lay it down because it's not yours, it's mine. And when we lay it down, he then can take that and um, make something beautiful out of it. Um, And it was a beautiful process as well because I knew that he was with me. Um, but it's trusting him even when you don't know what's happening or where you're going or what you're doing. And I remember the Lord speaking to me is, you may not know where you're going, but you know me and you can trust me. So what about us? Are there things we need to let go of to make room for the new? Today are there things that you need to surrender that you need to lay down. Even former things, former disappointments, former regrets, offences, formulas, even dreams, hurts. And I just saw, I actually saw like these, this big heavy bag of all these things that we were carrying and as we just surrendered, I just saw people becoming just free. Just laying them down. I don't have to carry this anymore. You already carried it for me, Jesus. I'm just letting it go. I'm laying it down. And it's in the surrender that we can see and that we see his power at work. And so that leads me to my next key, see. Verse 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? The word perceive means to notice something using one's senses, to discern and to know. And in Isaiah 43, things looked a mess. They didn't look like any escape. They were in captivity and their future did not look bright. Yet God saw it differently. And God sees our messes differently to how we see them. And he was inviting the Israelites to shift their focus from the problem to the promise. To shift their focus from one of despair to one of hope, to expectancy. To see again with the eyes of faith. Sometimes we can miss what God's doing because we're seeing things in the natural. As the ten spies did. They were told to go out into the new land and to survey the land and 10 out of 12, all they saw was giants. All they saw was obstacles and problems. Yet it says Caleb and Joshua saw things differently because they had a different spirit. They saw with the eyes of faith because they had a spirit of faith. We need a different spirit and we do because we're in Christ, to be able to see the way he sees, to see with his eyes 
And it's in the surrender as we lay down all our mindsets and our expectations of how something should look that we begin to see with his eyes. Sometimes we can miss what God's doing or the new season because it doesn't look how we expected. Think about in the Bible, people miss Jesus because he didn't look like how they expected him to look. It didn't look like the new kingdom. You know, they thought that the new kingdom would come with force and Jesus came as a baby, a humble servant. Often the kingdom is opposite of what we think. And God is telling the Israelites that the new is not going to look like it did. And so we need eyes of faith and eyes of discernment to really prophetically pick up, Lord, what are you seeing? What are you doing here? I want to show you some, a picture. I want to see if you can see what I can see. You can go to the next slide, please. All right, so there's two um, ladies in this picture. There's an old lady and there's a young lady. Put up your hand if you can see the young lady. The young lady is kind of looking off into the distance. That feather is like the top of her ha hair. Um, you can see it now. So she's kind of looking off like this into the distance with her nose and the feather. All right, now see if you can see the old lady. Put up your hand if you can see the old lady. If you can't, she's, um, her hair is like the, wi um, the white, well, it's like a shawl around her head. And um, the young lady's like face and chin is actually her nose. And then her mouth is underneath, it's like the neck of the young lady. And she's kind of looking down into her, um, on the floor. Sometimes we have to see things in a different direction or a different way to be able to see and to have a paradigm shift. You know, and, and it's interesting that some of you saw the old lady first and some of you saw the new lady first. So we all see differently. And part of becoming a new wineskin is, is having our perspective shifted. So as soon as you realise that you can see that old lady, you're like, oh, it's so obvious. Or the young lady, it's so obvious, but before it wasn't. The Pharisees never saw the new that Jesus was offering because they were so fixed in their old mindsets and filters and they weren't willing to let go. I want to encourage you today and me today is ask the Lord, Lord, what are you seeing? What are you seeing over my families? What are you seeing over my children? What are you seeing over the ones that have walked away? See, in the natural, they may have walked away or in the natural, they may be doing this or in the natural, my finances may look completely like this, but Lord, what do you see? What do you see, Father? Let us see what you see. Let us prophetically perceive what is springing up even before it actually seen in the natural. Because there's stuff that's springing up. There's things that are happening that you don't see. But when you can see with his eyes, you can pick that up. And then you can begin to speak into that, which is my next point. And I've got it down as sing, sing or speak. But I want to say sing because in Isaiah 42... God also says the same thing. He's going to do a new thing. Um, verse 9, it says, See the former things that have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And then it says, Sing to the Lord a new song. 
In Isaiah 42, the prophet declared that God was going to do a new thing. And then he tells the people who had been crying out for a new day, and God said, yes, I am going to do a new thing, but now I want you to sing a new song. And you're like, huh? That didn't make sense. But this is both a prophetic promise and a command. See, Jesus, God was actually saying, he was prophesying that one day all would sing praise to the Lord, Jews and Gentiles, because that was always the Father's plan, that all would be included. But he's also telling them now to sing a new song. Now, even before the new day has come, even before your freedom has come, begin to sing as if you are free. Begin to prophetically praise the new day. And there is something that shifts when we begin to praise the Lord. There's something that shifts when we begin to praise and declare and begin to sing the song that he is singing over us and singing over our situations and our places and our problems. Um, This happened to us, so I'm going to share a bit of a personal story, but Dave and I have three beautiful children, but after our first child, Isaac, the doctors said that we couldn't have any more children. The doctors saw what was wrong, and then they spoke what was wrong. But God had said something differently over us. He had promised us that we would have two more children. And this was um, spoken over and over again. And actually, your pastor was one of the um, people that gave us a word. And his word was, the key is rest. And I had that so many times. I began to get so frustrated. I'm like, what do you mean rest? Like, how is that going to help? And... um, And I asked the Lord after I got this about 10 times over a period of a few years, I was like, okay, Lord, what do you mean by rest? Because I just don't understand how rest is going to help. And um, because I'm such a doer, like work out what the problem is and fix it. So I was going to doctors and specialists and all these people to try and fix my problem. And it was making it worse because they were misdiagnosing and um, making it, yeah, a lot worse. Anyway, um, the Lord said to me, rest means trust. And I was like, well, that's a problem because I don't trust you anymore because you keep saying you're going to do something and you don't do it. So, Lord, how do I get back to the place of trust? And I felt him say to me, I've given you a promise, Kyla, of two more children. I want you to see yourself as if you're holding them, name them and thank me as if you already have them. And so I said, okay, Lord. And I saw Levi and I saw Grace in my arms and I began to thank the Lord as if I already had him and I began to sing the song with the father of what he was already singing over me and I joined him with heaven's song and it wasn't a name it and grab it song because it was something that he had promised but I didn't just sit back and go okay will you do it then I felt him say okay I want you to participate and join in the song that I'm singing over your situation And do you know the next month, after contending for a few years, I fell pregnant with Levi, and then two years later, despite the doctor's new reports of um, not being able to have any, and if I did, I'd miscarry, I had Grace, no problems. And one day I was going for a walk, Um, Grace is two years now, I was going for a walk maybe two years ago with my baby and Levi, and it just suddenly dawned on me, I had Levi and I had Grace, and God had shown me them. And um, what a journey. And it was a hard journey, but such a, I learned so much through that time of God is so faithful. And um, he he sings a song over us. He sings a song over our situations. 
He sang a song of the Israelites. But what had the Israelites been singing? They had been singing their grumble song. And we can get into that. We can get into our grumble jigs, can't we? We can get into our grumble songs where this is bad and this is bad, what, what's happening. And I know I've done it. I'm not saying oh, it's all, you know, I've done it. But why was that a problem? Because it was indica- indicative of their unbelief. See, grumbling is actually a root of unbelief. And what stopped them from entering the new? Their grumbling and their unbelief. And God wanted to turn that grumbling into praise, to turn that grumble song into the new song, um, the, the song of faith, because praise releases breakthrough. And I don't have time, I've, I've preached a whole message on this before, but if you actually read that, it talks then how the Lord goes into battle and he actually fights the enemy and brings him into the new day. And praise releases the breakthrough. It um, releases the Lord to battle because we come against giants and we come against ants, against new things. And we come against opposition to the new, but praise um, releases um, breakthrough. There's not power in praise. It's actually the Lord, but he uses praise as a weapon. And I think of that, um, raise a hallelujah. You know, in the midst of the problem of that young boy being sick, they raised a hallelujah. They began to shout a sound of praise and something shifted, didn't it? They picked up what the Lord was saying and seeing and sang the song the Lord was singing. What song are you singing today? I believe the Lord is giving, want to give people new songs today. Songs of hope, songs of victory, songs of faith, songs of praise. Prophetic praise that begin to declare the new and the fresh that the Lord is wanting to bring over you today and over this place, over your families, over your work situations. See, a lot of people at work are singing the grumble song. Let's not join in with the grumble song. Let's actually sing a different song. Let's have a different spirit. In conclusion, if I can have the, um, the worship team, please. My conclusion is about response, about stepping in to the new. As I said before, stepping in is not automatic. It's not, I'll just wait and see. I'll wait and see if this new thing is something I like. Um, And then if it is something I like, I'll step into it. It's actually about having a heart response that says, Lord, I'm willing to receive whatever you have for me. I'm willing to receive the new wine that you want to pour out, whatever that looks like. Joshua was told to enter and to occupy the new land. And there's an actual step of faith that we need to take where we actually step into the new. An active participation to receive the new and then to embrace the change the Lord wants to do in our hearts. How do we step into the new? We talked about it involves surrendering, forgetting the former things. And when praying about this sermon... I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want my people to let go to make space for the new. And I had a picture of a wardrobe. And recently I've been given all these um, new clothes to the point that I didn't have any more room in my wardrobe for them. And I had to let go of some old things. And some of those things were hard. I'm like, I've had these, some of these things for 20 odd years. And God said, yep, time to let that one go. But this one's my favourite. This one's sentimental. 
this is my comfy one. This one might come back in fashion in 10, 15 years time. If I let it go, then, you know, it's a waste. But there's no space for the new because it's so filled up with the old. And I believe the Lord wants to declutter some wardrobes today. Rearrange some things. But I like it this way. (laughs) Some of us can be... You know, we like a thing a certain way. It looks good this way. And can you imagine if you just let anyone come into your wardrobe and go, okay, rearrange it however you want. And we do that to our husband's side, but how dare they do it to our side? Yeah, right? (laughs) Holy Spirit's coming in to rearrange some wardrobes today. Trust Him. Some things have to go to move into the new flow. Some things need to change to step into the new page. It's time for new clothes, new wineskins. Not that the old was bad, not at all, but they don't fit anymore. It doesn't fit in this season. And I believe the Lord is inviting us to lay down our hurts, our offences, some disappointments, the good old days the regrets, even the labels that have been put on ourselves or by others, our agendas, our preferences, but I like my coffee this way. You know, our ways, our our old wineskins, whatever that looks like for you today. It's not, as I said, that bad, but let's uh, let go, surrender to make room for the new that the Lord wants to bring in our hearts today. And it's in the surrender, the renewing of our minds, like Romans 12, 2 says, that we begin to see and we see what He's doing. And we begin to see with a different spirit. And I believe that where people have been um, blind or, or like a fog, there's been like a confusion over some people. I see the Lord lifting that off. That as you look up to Jesus that and you surrender everything, that clarity is coming. That you're going to see with fresh eyes of faith. And then begin to sing. Sing what he's singing. Speak and declare what he's saying. Now Joshua was not only told to enter, but also told to occupy. Why? Because there were still giants in the land. Don't um, be discouraged by opposition or resistance to the new. Do you know how much opposition I had in bringing this message today? Like huge opposition. It was incredible. And um, I remember God speaking to my mum a few years ago about, I'm bringing your family into a new season, but beware of the ants. And mum's like, huh? What's ants got anything to do with the new? And God showed her what ants meant against new things. Don't be discouraged or distracted, but keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Know that he says, I'm making a way in the wilderness. You don't know how he's going to do it. You don't know what it looked like. But as a church, we are saying today, but I'm stepping in faith on the path that you are making. I'm going to, I've asked the worship team to sing the song New Wine by Hillsong today. And as you listen to the words, I want you to just do business with the Lord if you need to. If there's things that you just need to lay down or let go of or repent of or whatever it is. And if the Lord's been um, 
prompting you today, hey, it's time for a new thing. I want you to step into the new thing. As a prophetic act today, as a step of faith, I'm actually going to ask you to stand. If you're saying, Lord, I want this new wine, whatever you have for for me, I, w- I want to receive the new. And I also want to embrace the change where you renew my wineskin, where you renew me to carry the new. And then not only carry it, but what is wine? Wine doesn't just look pretty and sit on a shelf. It actually is poured out. It's poured out and it blesses others. So the new is not just for us. It's actually to bless others and to bring others into the kingdom. And the other thing I sense, which I'm then going to, um, as we sing this song, we're going to, um, if you feel to stand, Lord, I want to step into the new. And then I want to pray for some people because I, I see that some people need some fresh oil um, today. You need to receive some fresh oil. And um, I want to pray a fresh anointing over people, a fresh outpouring where you might have felt like your wineskins had become a bit dry or wearied or hardened by whatever. And I just see the Lord just pouring out fresh oil on his church and his children today and healing and softening and making us anew. So let me just pray and then I'm going to have the worship team sing. Father, I just thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you brought in the new, that you brought in the new wine, that you brought in the new commandment, that you brought in the new kingdom, that the old is gone, the new has come. Father, it speaks of salvation but it also speaks every day you're wanting to do a new thing and you have a new season for this church you have a new story a a new page for this church i see and you have a new season for um for your children here today and father i just ask that we would be vessels that would just let go to make room for you that whatever that looks like today father that you would fill us afresh that you would heal hearts, that you would strengthen hearts, you would strengthen those that are weary, that you would refresh those that are dry, that you would do a new thing, that people would begin to see how it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and water in the wastelands, that we'd receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you feel to stand in the song, I invite you to stand. If you know the song, feel free to join in. And then I'll pray for some people. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making. 